The spirit of performance is what defines Acura. And now, it's electric. Introducing the ZDX, Acura's most powerful SUV yet. Crafted using the same formula that brought them electrified supercars and multiple IMSA championships, the ZDX has track-tested performance that packs an energy all its own. Unlock the energy and order yours at Acura.com. Let's face it, people have different sleep needs. While you love your partner, sleeping next to them might not always be the most comfortable. Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs, so you can choose what's right for each of you whenever you like. Maybe you prefer a firmer mattress and your partner needs something softer. Because of the individualized comfort that you get from Sleep Number Smart Beds, you and your partner will sleep better together. All Sleep Number Smart Beds feature cooling, pressure-relieving comfort layers for soothing sleep throughout the night. And their temperature-balancing bedding is designed to move heat and moisture away when you're hot. When you're cool, they hold their energy to help warm you. The smart beds even automatically respond and adjust to your movements, so you sleep comfortably all night long. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 40% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition smart bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com slash awards only at a sleep number store or sleepnumber.com hello i'm matt Harmon, and welcome to the yahoo fantasy football forecast presented by planter satisfying your snack cravings for over 100 years i'm joined by dalton del don dalton do you know what satisfied me today in particular no but i'd love to hear what was that matt i think what satisfied me most was the comparisons that were going around on Monday Night Football about Drew Brees um, and 2015 Peyton Manning. Um, And I saw those comparisons being tossed around. Obviously, I decided to make a nice, uh, horribly photoshopped meme about it. But Mm -hmm. (laughs) let me ask you, man, like, I I feel like that is a perfect comparison, right? Like, I I think that Drew Brees 2020 to 2015 Peyton Manning is like a one-to-one comp. And basically, what the beauty of that comparison is that it's not entirely mean, right? Because obviously, yeah, Peyton Manning fell apart. It was eventually benched for Brock Osweiler before he came back. So that's the bad part of it, right? But at the same time, Manning did go on to win a Super Bowl. So, like, it's not the meanest comparison. Really, what we're counting on here is that the Saints, like, Strong defensive personnel actually starts to show up and still makes this a competitive team, which I feel like could still be the reality of that situation. Well, Harmon, as someone who is in on Cam Newton and Josh Allen this year, you have a lot to be satisfied about (laughs) through two weeks. We'll get to that later. But man, what could not have gone better uh, for you so far with those two? Drew Brees ranks bottom three in the next gen uh, completion above uh, expectation stat. Uh, He is as he as he made one pass 20 yards downfield yet. And this is kind of a continuation to the final three or four games last year. Um, which I did not pay enough attention to. It was too late uh, with the rankings ran by. I'm like, man, maybe that was a sign. 41 and a half years old, already signed to be a commentator next year. Uh, yeah, there's big concern. It's a great comparison with Peyton Manning because maybe this defense and the rest of the infrastructure there is good enough to carry this team to a, to a postseason run still. But boy, it's looking more and more like it would be despite Drew Brees, not because of him. Yeah, I agree. And I think the other reason this comparison makes sense is because, you know, it was so crazy because from – a regular season perspective to end uh, 2000 was two yeah to end end 2019 obviously what year is it uh, to end 2019 like 
Breeze was very good. And then obviously started to look poor in the playoffs last year. And now it's, like you said, continued into this year. And that's why I think it makes so much sense from a comparison perspective. Because when it went for Manning, like it went quick. Like there was no gradual decline there. It was just over. And that's another reason why I think this comparison makes sense. But speaking of satisfying, uh, I'm going to break some news here on the podcast. Because one guy who's got to be satisfied is Devonta Freeman. Because my dude, Devonta Freeman, former Falcons running back, has a job. He's just signed with the Giants. And so obviously, barring anything unforeseen, you know, testing positive for COVID, whatever, he's going to be a part of the team. Instant reaction, Dalton. How do you feel about uh, Devonta Freeman signing with the Giants? Uh, I have to stay away from me, man. Freeman looked done last year. He couldn't even be yeah. on NFL roster until a desperate team. Do not spend all of your fab on, on Freeman would be my suggestion to you. Uh, lukewarm at best. What about you, Harmon? I'm pr- I'm pretty much in the same boat. I actually kind of am glad that he's signing here because then I don't have to be tempted to sort of to 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 solve the Dion Lewis versus Wayne Gallman, uh, you know, <laughs> quandary. Now I can sort of focus my attention on other backfield splits. Uh, so in a way, I'm sort of thankful for Freeman. But yeah, I mean, come on, like I can't believe that it was such a big deal, like. People talking about where is Devonta Freeman going to sign? Where is like when, when is this going to happen? Like should I should I stash Devonta Freeman on the end of my rosters in drafts in August? No, yeah, he looked toast last year in Atlanta, and I don't think that it. Was, I mean, Atlanta is a pretty good situation for a fantasy running back, so I don't really see any any value in the guy anymore. Uh, I'm not, and plus, you know. This is a team that we expect to sort of start to fall off the rails, right? You know, it's it, obviously running back doesn't move the needle that much, but they're already 0-2. They have a shaky quarterback. There are other injuries in the skill position player situation beyond just Barkley. Sterling Shepard got hurt last week. Their defense is one of the worst pass rushing teams in the league, one of the worst pass coverage teams in the league. Uh, I don't expect this to be a situation where you're loving, you're loving the starting running back unless that starting running back wasn't all world talent like Saquon Barkley. Anyway, yes, yeah. Freeman has not been good in years, and it's crazy the just the the amount of traction he's gotten. Because as you said, he, great situation last year in Atlanta. He was unusable in fantasy leagues. I, I like Darius Slayton here in the Giants. Maybe Evan Ingram, but he can yes. stay healthy. Your guy Sterling Shepard, if he misses a few games, Golden Tate, who knows how healthy he is, and they're not to be able to run the ball nor all those targets. Barkley, I, I really like Darius Slayton. It starts right right with this week against a banged up 49ers defense. I I really like how this is setting up the first two weeks for Slayton. Yeah, totally agree. Okay, let's move uh, beyond totally cooked running backs <laughs> or totally cooked quarterbacks. We're, we're starting off on a really ageist note here, Dalton, but I guess that makes sense. So we're two weeks into the NFL season. Last week, we talked about a lot of advanced metrics that caught our eye uh, in week one to sort of try to start forecasting the future. Well, our sample size is not that much bigger here. We're, we're just two games in. Um, so we're going to try to read the tea leaves of these ultra small sample sizes and tell you, you know, what sort of hot starts to believe in, what sort of cold starts to either believe is the new reality or this is sort of a situation where you can buy uh, some positive regression. And, I, and this is something I always like to point out uh, whenever we talk about these slow starts or whatever. Uh, my friend Adam Harstead, who writes for Football Guys, we used to work there together. He still works there, of course. Uh, he always talks about ADP still being the best predictor of end of season finishes up until about week four or five of the of the season. So if you've got a guy that you drafted very high and they're healthy, which is not everybody at this point, they're healthy, they're still playing. 
um, you can still look for you can still have some hope that this is going to turn out the way you expected. So we'll use we'll talk about some guys that have been hotter starts and some colder starts and sort of see if we expect them to finish closer to their ADP or if we're buying in on this sort of new information. So with that, Dalton, just kind of wanted to open up the floor here to what are some stats that you look at early in the year to sort of start to try to predict whether these guys are going to bounce back or this new disappointing reality is what it is. As fun as the stat I just mentioned, the QB one, for me, it's all about wide receivers and it's just about, I just look at opportunity and hidden within basically Whopper is, is what the, is a fancy way of saying air yards target share basically. So I'm just looking at the, uh, the, the receivers that are earning those looks and uh, even if it hasn't translated. So um, Adam Thielen's jumping off the page early. Um, Deontay Johnson, to me, just looks like I'd clearly rather him than Juju moving forward. I think that'd mm. be considered a hot take. I think that'd be considered a hot take, but um, it just looks like he's the the clear number one in Pittsburgh. So for me, it's just it's it's the wide receiver and it's um, air yard target share is basically the 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 main advanced stat that I, I would look at. Yeah, completely agree with that. And similar with running backs too. You know, it's all about opportunity. You know, percentage of team carries, uh, whether they're yeah, getting sure. involvement in the passing game. Those are all pretty key things to look at there. Yeah, I mean, especially two weeks into the season, and there's several guys. One I definitely want to highlight when we get to the disappointing players that that we could talk about is as guys that are probably going to bounce back despite the fact that they haven't. You know, really hit off yet based on those stats that you mentioned but let's start off with sort of our week two trends that you love to see and we're we're going to start with some hot starts here first one i want to talk about is jaguars undrafted rookie running back james robinson who's been like if you have one of these injured top end running backs but you drafted james robinson or you picked him up off waivers you're loving the way this is set up for this guy right now. And obviously they're, they have some injuries uh, and some COVID question marks with guys like Reichwell Armstead and uh, Divine Azigbo in that backfield. But Robinson has been the guy for Jacksonville. Jaguars running backs have 34 carries so far this season. James Robinson has 32 of them. Like he has been, he has been everything for them in their backfield. Is this a guy that you're buying going forward or do you expect – him to eventually see, you know, cede some of the opportunity to other players in this backfield. Well, I, in my preliminary rankings this week, I have him as my 12th ranked running back. So I would, I guess that's got to be buying big time here. You love the matchup at home against Miami, getting all of the touches, as you said, passing the eye test with that nice hurdle. And um, the fact that Chris Thompson hasn't been overly involved. Uh, and I think even the biggest issue here is that Gardner Minshew looks good. Um, mm-hmm. So what if this team, I mean, if they if they keep moving the ball up and down, uh, absolutely, yeah. I, given the matchup and the running back situation around the league, it's not going to be every week. I don't think he's an RB1, but I love that home against Miami. I think they rank 31st in run defense DVOA through two games two games, but I think he absolutely can be an RB2 uh, minimum flex for the rest of the season as well. Yeah, I think the great part about it is like Chris Thompson's the guy who's obviously, you know, he, he's the other he's the player with the other two rush attempts in this backfield in terms of when it comes to just straight up running backs. And he has some targets, sure, whatever. But Thompson hasn't been been that big of a factor ahead of Robinson because the Jaguars have been good. Like you said, I think the fact that Minshew ranks number one in on target throw percentage through two weeks 
that's that's the key thing here. And I'm and I I am personally buying on Minshew being a legit starter the rest of the way for this team. Like, look, Dalton, if the Jaguars were intending to tank this year, they forgot to tell these young upstart guys like Minshew, like LaVisca Chenault, like James Robinson, like DJ Chark, still a young player. Um, these guys are playing really well, which means I do want to buy in on the running back in this offense, who, by the way, had 62 percent of his yards have come after contact like he's creating in addition to just what has been given to him by the rest of his players and Jacksonville coaching staff straight up said part of the reason we were letting Fournette go is because we're comfortable with Robinson's emergence uh Minshew in the CPA uh stat the next gen third behind only Russell Wilson and Lamar Jackson in uh completion percentage above expectation so he is just deep balling so far and the DJ shark uh shark situation with the targets I did not see coming and that's a whole nother story but yeah I'm totally buying James Robinson like I said I have him ranked as a borderline RB1 in this matchup (laughs) in week three so maybe I'm crazy but yeah I'm in on him no I I think that's totally reasonable all right let's move to uh oh let me ask you this Dalton because I I think this this sort of bleeds into the Josh Jacobs question I found myself personally having a tough time answering this question was last night's result more of a factor of the Saints being more disappoint, much, much more disappointing than a, of a team than I expected them to be, or are the Raiders a better team than I expected them to be? Yeah, it's funny. A buddy texted me that same exact question, and the boring answer I gave was, "It's a little of both." Yeah. Um, I was, I was ke- before the season. I was like, uh, I'm getting bad vibes of me fading the Raiders. I think they're going to be better than expected. I was, and 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 I think they are. They even had some missing linemen in that game last mm-hmm. night. And uh, for all of Gruden's horrible decision making off the field, which he uh, which he does in the draft and whatnot, head scratching. <laughs> um, they, they man, he gets the man can do an offense. He runs the offense pretty well still, and uh, even with rugs at less than 100 percent last night and getting down, it was impressive. Now, that offense in New Orleans is another issue, though. That Drew Brees not going downfield and obviously missing Michael Thomas. I think that's a real, real legitimate concern in New Orleans. But this, this Vegas team is plucky. Derek Carr is playing well. And, uh, yeah, they're, they're, they're far better than at least I expected. Yeah, I completely agree. I think, that the, I think it is, it's the boring answer, but hashtag both things can be true. And I think that's the, the situation here. Carr looks good uh, in his in his you know third year in this offense. Uh, some of the receivers are fly- like Brian Edwards look- made a couple of really nice catches last night. Henry Ruggs is still not completely healthy, but you know it is funny though that we debate you know. At- Brian Edwards, Henry Ruggs, which rookie receiver do you want to draft? And so far, the receivers to catch touchdowns for the Raiders and just wide receivers are Zay Jones and Nelson Aguilar. Like, oh, God. So funny. <laughs> no, my wife is like, wait, he's on that team also? Yeah, Zay Jones. I totally forgot about that. And uh, I, I have gotten a few things right, but I must say the guys that, I, that are sticking out in my head, you're Josh Allen, Cam Newton, and Darren Waller was another guy yeah. I, I have on zero teams and faded him and watching him just get a million targets last night. And the key was the goal line, too, because that's the other thing. I'm like, look at all those targets. He only had three scores la- uh, last year. Year, but that regression may come too. Boy, he looks awesome, man. Darren Waller looks. Uh, he, he's, he's a fun player to watch. Yeah, I um, I started to warm up to Waller the more it became clear that you know there was like Tyrell Williams was going to be hurt. Um, you know that it was going to be a lot of young players on the outside, and he's another one that's off to this hot start. And I don't think any other Raiders player had more than three targets. Meanwhile, he's hefting it with sixteen. It was just like whatever the Saints threw at them. And this is the part that worries me about the Saints is that. Yeah, I think they have enough skill position talent on offense when Michael Thomas is on the field to account for Drew Brees being all right, but or Drew Brees taking a step back. But man, if Malcolm Jenkins is 
you know, going to play as poorly as he did in week two, that is going to be a problem, I think, for the Saints going forward. So I, I do agree. And, and Emmanuel Sanders, man, where did he just completely disappeared without Thomas? Yeah. And I, needed four and, I needed four and a half points in my long from back high school league from Jared Cook. And luckily he had that one catch because I, I ranked him too highly this week. Man, they just did not benefit from no Thomas there. So, yeah, that, that team's offense is a bit of a struggle. But, yeah, Darren Waller lining up everywhere. That's a cool, cool chart if you see uh, the, how they used him last night. Yeah, he's he's been awesome. Uh, I, I expect that to <laughs> I expect that to continue. All right, let's talk hey, about what the quick out with, with with the slot use and tight ends while we're on subject. Sorry, it's Mike Gesicki. I'm ranking that guy's top five from here on out. They're just, he's running. He had a slow week one yeah. in New England. He's run 80 percent from out from the slot or, or something crazy like that. He's just a wide receiver there. Devontae Parker, Preston Williams will not stay healthy. I'm all in on Gesicki. He leads tight ends and air yards, I believe, too. Uh, so, he's, yes, um, I'm, I'm in on him. Continue. I'm 100% with you on that. I, he was the only Dolphins passing game player that I was drafting at their ADP this all this summer, mostly because of that slot usage. I think he's the guy that, look, like Preston Williams and Devontae Parker are both 50-50 ball receivers, and there's going to be some high variance there anyways. You mentioned there's health questions there as well. Um, those are the type of receivers that thrive with Fitzpatrick, and I don't see any evidence over the first two weeks that we're going to get 16 games of Fitzpatrick, right? I think the one guy in this passing game that can move over to being a good player with uh, Tua, whenever he takes over, it's going to be Gasecki. So I'm totally with you there. I'm, 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 I'm all in. Let's talk about Calvin Ridley. Everybody, nobody has to talk about being wrong about Calvin Ridley, unless you were a complete <laughs> goofball. You were, you were in on Calvin Ridley this year, but he has been, I think probably better than most people expected 116 yards per game through the first two weeks. He's number two among all receivers, second only to Tyler Boyd in routes run per game. He's also and this is the key. This is going to stick in the craw of every Julio Jones backer, you know, this year and every year. 45.5% of the team red zone targets. He scored two touchdowns in back-to-back, back-to-back weeks. Is this the new reality in Atlanta that we are really looking at a, at, at best, 1A, 1B situation here with Julio and Ridley? Yeah, don't sell high. We're here. Um, interesting that you say the red zone percentage. That makes total sense because I was doing the fearless forecast for the tight ends. So I looked into Hayden Hurst a bit and zero red zone targets through two games after Hooper led the NFL in tight ends and in, in red zone targets per game. Um, uh, so Ridley's, yeah, I mean, Julio Jones, A, struggles to score every year and B, is c- clearly hobbled and, you know, he's over 30 now. Um, I like Russell Gage to be a thing all year, by yeah, the way, especially in PPR, man. Um, hope you got him last week. But Calvin Ridley, sure, slam dunk, top 10 fantasy wide receiver rest of season. I'm not selling high here. Um, I don't think he's going to catch 32 touchdowns this year, but the setup is just so, so good with a poor defense. Todd Gurley done, and uh, I know it's just two games, but Matt Ryan on pace to shatter the NFL record for passing yards in in a season. So, yes, I'm uh, fully buying Calvin Ridley. Yeah, the ecosystem in Atlanta is perfect for fantasy production through the air. I'm, I'm, I'm in on all of these guys, all the Falcons players. It, it extends to Hayden Hurst as well, who, who's gonna, be, he's gonna be a little volatile. Then Gage and Julio and all these guys will be, you know, they'll have their down weeks. But I think there's gonna be enough passing volume to support three plus players here. Uh, let's talk about the Bills. Uh, you've mentioned it, uh, Josh Allen. He's crushing it. He's actually leading the NFL in passing yards. Stefan Diggs is tied with Calvin Ridley in terms of leading the NFL in passing yards. John Brown has been very good as well. Two touchdowns so far. Like the bills are on fire. And of course the, the immediate, the immediate thing, right. Is well, they haven't played anyone yet. They've played the jets and they've played the dolphins. Of course that's true. 
Here's the company that Josh Allen is keeping through his the first two weeks of the season. Uh, Nora Princiati from The Ringer pointed this out on their podcast. So far, the quarterbacks to start the season with over 700 yards and over six and six plus touchdowns to start a season: Patrick Mahomes, Peyton Manning, Tom Brady, Josh Allen. Like that's what we're talking about here. We're not expecting those numbers this week, even this week against the Rams. But I think personally, we've seen enough to buy in that this is this passing game has taken a step forward. And let's also be clear too. You know, the same thing that people were saying after the first couple weeks of last year with the Ravens. Well, they haven't played anybody yet. Well, it didn't matter when they started to play people. And also, when you absolutely dominate that poor competition, yes. you deserve credit for that, man. I mean, the, it's the the best teams in the league beat up the bad teams and the best players. I mean, nine YPA. I mean, he's in the MVP conversation, as you said. I love how he'd never thrown, what, uh, 270 yards in it or certain, something like 280. Then he surpasses 300 follows that by surpassing 400 so we just looking so if i had the play of the week for me too last week uh, i'm sure you saw it but the the scramble behind and then just running over three people the grown man strength josh allen has is amazing so he's gonna miss the throw still but stefan diggs uh john brown if they stay healthy uh this offense is gonna be so fun and you you talked about it last week he's bidding put him put in position to succeed too with all that pre-snap motion the play action so you got it's hard to, to be a hater on josh allen right now man i, I got it yeah it's it, it's it's awesome and it's and the fantasy with all the running too i mean what's not to like I, right. the, the running backs haven't done anything at the goal line so yeah just it's just it's green light for for allen and, and company hey maybe maybe if you're the vikings or maybe for the texans don't trade one of the best receivers on your uh, like in the league when they're on your roster. You know, the Vikings are I mean, a total mess. Like the the Kirk Cousins, he had a zero passer rating for a large portion of that game. He looks lost. Um give me a break. Uh you know, obviously the Texans are struggling without DeAndre Hopkins. Maybe don't trade. Maybe don't trade these guys. And also, this leads this leads some some credence to a thing that I know we tossed around a little bit this offseason, which is like you know, yeah, the history of players changing teams at wide receiver, uh, not great, right? Like we 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 know that it's uh it's it's not it's not great, but we haven't seen a lot of players that are as good as Stephon Diggs or as good as DeAndre Hopkins change teams. Now we're starting to at least see some of that bleed into their production. Uh, let's talk about some rookies real quick, just in terms of you know trends we'd love to see, or maybe some, we'll, we'll transition into some we don't. Next Gen Stats put out this uh, player sh- rookie player share breakdown. Sixty-six uh, percent for Jonathan Taylor uh, among you know Colts plays. He was obviously a stud. This one I thought was interesting. Sixty-seven percent for Antonio Gibson. Were you encouraged by what you saw from Antonio Gibson in uh, Week Two? Because right now he actually per Sports Radar he leads the NFL in broken tackles among running backs. He's also um, He's also he's also got plenty of negative runs too though. So I mean that's like there's sort of a counterbalance there. But I thought week 2 was a much better sign for Gibson's future than what we saw in week 1. First of all, Jonathan Taylor, I believe he got 12 touches on the opening drive, which was like the most by a player in like 20 years. Oh dude, he had, he had 20 touches by the half. Like what? Yeah, he did. Yes, he did. Yeah, you're not exaggerating. He had 20 touches at half. I believe 18 carries, two, two. Yeah, I lo- love to see it. And then uh, Neam Hines just disappeared. Wild uh, fluctuation there. But fun. Taylor, uh, and if Mac doesn't get injured, he might even be third too. So it's like, whatever. It's just all craziness. So um, Antonio Gibson, you do have to be encouraged for sure with the usage and just how he looks. And uh, McKissick makes a couple nice plays, but the rest of those running backs there have been mostly ignored. So 
Uh, I am concerned about Dwayne Haskins as someone who was all in on Logan Thomas last week. Uh, at least he's got McLaurin uh, feeding him. But um, yeah, Antonio Gibson is a guy I have ranked 25th this week as an RB2 type and moving on up for sure. Yeah, for, for real. I mean, there were definitely plays where Logan Thomas left some yards on the field, which I think we're going to we're going to expect, right? He's a converted tight end. He used to play quarterback. He's a late career breakout sort of, sort of guy. But the opportunity, at least, was there for Logan Thomas. Still ranks really high in terms of like percentage of team red zone targets, route run, routes run, all the things that you want. I think he's going to be on the streaming radar really the rest of the way. So far, this whole like start every tight end against the Cardinals uh, trend nah. through two weeks, it hasn't really worked out. I mean, of course... Like it might have worked differently if Kittle had not gotten hurt in week one. And obviously Thomas is, you know, the volume was there. But nevertheless, that like that trend, the flow chart trend, you know, Al Zeidenfeld talks about not really working so far here uh, through two weeks. No doubt. And when he looked, like I said, I was doing the fearless forecast. So I was looking who's been getting annihilated so far. I was just curious. And um, I believe it was the is it the Bengals who faced the Eagles week? No, who whoever no, I forget whoever faced the Eagles week one is a team that's that that looks really bad against tight ends. And I'm like, well, when you line up Goddard and Ertz, you're gonna kind of mess with your numbers there. So uh like everything, you know, don't 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 take it at face value necessarily. But yes, yeah, so far not it's not looking there. But do you believe in the matchup thing? Tight end is the toughest one really to to do that anyway, right? Or what what are your thoughts on that? Well, I think when you're at the polar extremes. Sure in terms of like catches or yards allowed like and I think sometimes it makes intuitive sense right like the the Bengals are a great example from years past they have terrible linebackers they have terrible safeties yeah they're probably going to get picked apart over the middle of the field same with like the Raiders when they were that team you know they uh they they got picked apart by tight ends because they had bad linebackers they had bad safeties the Cardinals last year blitzed way too much and they had bad coverage linebackers it makes sense that they're going to get picked they got picked apart by everybody though you know that was another thing too and but then one that's really interesting the Chiefs are always a team that gives up a ton of receptions to running backs and to tight ends and that makes sense because they're a, a a good team that's always playing with the lead. So teams are kind of looking for those high percentage passes or whatever over the middle of the field and two they 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 have great pass rushers and their outside cornerbacks are pretty opportunistic. So that also leads to more funneling to the middle of the field. So when it's at the polar extremes in terms of catches and yards or whatever allowed, and uh, it makes sense from a football perspective, I do tend to believe in it. But really, like if you're number five to number 25 in terms of production allowed to tight ends, it might really not mean that much. Makes sense. Yeah, Washington was a team that faced the Eagles week one, but uh, totally makes sense. And scheme is the one to look out for. Like some teams just let the running backs catch all the balls. That's what their actual strategy. The Falcons. Makes sense. Yep. The Falcons. The Falcons, and and it never works. (laughs) The Falcons Falcons are like the team that it never works with. The Colts actually do a good job of funneling targets to running backs and then actually, you know, limiting some production after the catch for them. Right. All right, we wanted to thank again our sponsor, Planters, for this episode. When you want to satisfy a salty craving, Planters has you covered. Their deluxe mixed nuts are roasted to perfection and seasoned with sea salt, giving you the crunchy texture and enhanced flavor you crave. Stay satisfied with Planters Deluxe Mixed Nuts. All right, Dalton, we talked about things we love to see. Let's talk about week two trends we hate to see and some players that are disappointing so far in fan- non-injured players that are disappointing you in fantasy. Because, yeah, you got plenty of reason to be disappointed if you drafted Christian McCaffrey overall. But I don't think you need Dalton to tell you that. And I don't think you need, I sure, sure as need me to tell you that you ought to be disappointed by that. So let's talk about some guys who are still on the field that have been disappointing so far. Number one, Joe Mixon, man. Uh, I thought Joe Mixon was trending to being like – 
the safest pick in that sort of back half of the first round, early round two portion of fantasy because he was going to be on, you know, the feature back on an offense that we expected to take the next step. And the Bengals offense has kind of taken the next step, right? Like Joe Burrow looks good. Joe Burrow leads the NFL in damn pass attempts through two weeks. He's also been mostly a short, high percentage passer. But my God, it's not happening for Joe Mixon as a rusher. And they just really don't give him enough receiving opportunities. So if you've got Joe Mixon, man, how nervous are you feeling right now? Yeah, and I do in plenty of places because I was address- aggressively drafting him. Uh, I'm a little nervous. He did get four catches last week, but he's ran fewer routes than Gio Bernard. Uh, you don't love the matchup in Philly. Uh, Burrow looks good. He passes the eye test. I think he leads the NFL in pass attempts too. So, yes. Um, yes, I'm mildly concerned, and I don't again. I don't love this matchup either. So, yeah, you might be in, in trouble. If you, uh, if you spend a first-round pick on you don't love it. But at least he's healthy at this point. I mean, if you have a feature back who's healthy and uh, the system moving forward, Burrow, you know, it's only going to get better. So I, I'm, I'm not, like, crushed that I, ha- that I drafted him. But, yeah, I'm mildly concerned. Yeah, for sure. I mean, and let's be clear, too. I, I, you know, I said he's not getting a ton of uh, routes or whatever. He's still 18 and a half per game. You know, and that is top 12 in the NFL per sports radar. So there's definitely um, there's definitely some reason for optimism. He's just been kind of uh, he's been stuffed a lot like they've their offensive line is still not very good from either a pass protection or a run blocking perspective. But I think there's more reason for optimism if you have Mixon like he's a guy that I would. If he's if you know you don't have him in your league, maybe go poke around the guy who's got Joe Mixon on their roster uh, and and try to uh, see what you can get him for. Let's move on to Allen Robinson. Uh, hasn't gone great for Allen Robinson so far, right? Uh, if you drafted him, if you had him ranked at wide receiver, if some, if you were someone who had I don't know who, <laughs> just someone who had him ranked at wide receiver five going into this year, you you if you were that person. I don't know who it is. You probably don't feel great so far, <laughs> but uh, again, hard to say, but is there reason for optimism for Robinson? Because I think when you look at everything that you talked about up top about reasons to buy in on the bounce back for wide receivers, I think all the periphery metrics for Robinson are there so far. Yeah, he's seventh in air yards. Trubisky has been fine, like league average. And Anthony Miller's just disappointed and another drop and fewer snaps. So it's been frustrating, but I'm still treating Allen Robinson as a top 10 type fantasy wideout moving forward. I completely agree with you there. Um, yeah, it's been, <laughs> it's been a bummer for uh, Anthony Miller. Like, I feel like that that play that he dropped, you know, the play, the play that he dropped uh, in week two was like almost exactly the same as the, the play that he caught to to win the game in in week one yeah I don't know I loved him too I really liked him all the preseason hype people say oh he gets it this year the only thing the concern was with that shoulder get re-injured but now he's making I don't know what the the coaches are down on him or what the deal is because even week one when he had a nice stat line he played like 27 snaps so I'm not yeah. sure what's going on there I don't know yeah very strange uh like you mentioned everything is there for Allen Robinson 13 air yards per target 29 and a half routes per game he actually has a 21 percent share of the red zone targets too so Robinson's definitely a guy that I think all like I said the peripheries are there the results from a fantasy perspective haven't been there the only thing that's kind of a bummer for Robinson is that Trubisky continues to win games, which means he's just going to stay in there longer. But at the same time, I think he's definitely a guy that you um, that you can bounce uh, that you can buy in on the bounce back. 
How about Michael Gallup? So far, the Cowboys offense has not, I think, fired on all cylinders. But when you're talking about the guy who's been left out in the cold, so far, it has been Michael Gallup. Where are you with Michael Gallup right now? Um, I, yeah, obviously you're disappointed and frustrated and, um, I'm still totally fine with, with starting him every week. But the, my question to you is who would you rather have moving forward? He or CD lamb, who's getting more targets in the easier, you know, the position out of the, the slot there. So I, I think I might've moved, moved CD lamb ahead of him, but, um, I still like all three of these guys and the offense will, they'll get going. Right. Like, I think at some point we're going to be talking about, I, I still believe even after two weeks, like sometime, at some point we're going to be talking about CeeDee Lamb or Amari Cooper getting left out in the cold. Because here's the deal with Michael Gallup. He's been their deep threat, and it's not even been close. 17.9 air yards per target. The next highest guy was Blake Jarwin with 12. I mean, CeeDee Lamb is all the way down there at 6.7. Amari Cooper's at 10.1. Now, I think you can argue that two ways, right? Uh, he's also the only one that hasn't drawn a red zone target yet, Michael Gallup. So I think you can argue all of this two ways. If he's their vertical threat, which I think he makes the most sense out of all of these guys as their their top outside vertical receiver, those big weeks are going to come from a fantasy perspective. But it's also not great that their pass their pass blocking has completely fallen off the map too. So that could right. be you're lead, right. You're right. That no, could, that's a good point. That could lead to more targets, like you said, for a guy like CeeDee Lamb, who is getting those layup targets out of the slot. And it really could just be tough to predict when Gallup is going to pop. Like at some point, maybe even here in week three against a, a Seahawks team that can't rush, rush the passer and does have some problematic uh, deep coverage. We could start to look at Gallup. Like Gallup could have his big week this week, but at the same time, he could also have two catches for 54 yards or something like that. And huge, huge upside if Mari Cooper were to get hurt. You know, not all yes. receivers have that, but these those in this system, if the guy in front of you is injury prone, um, for for sure there. So yeah, no, I'm I'm still I'm still totally in on on, on Gallup. And man, as someone who had Blake Jarwin and basically all of my teams, so frustrating to see Dalton Schultz so involved like that. Yeah, it's like, oh it. man, <laughs> yeah, it's cra- crazy yeah. annoying. But yeah, that the offense that will we'll get uh, the, the receivers will start putting up the stats for sure. Get, get Gallup if you can. If you get a frustrated fantasy owner, uh, try to trade for him. Yeah, totally agree. Um, speaking of injury prone, last two receivers I want to pick your brain on. Um, and my answer here is no. I'm not in on either of these guys having a bounce back. Uh, T.Y. Hilton, A.J. Green. At least for T.Y. Hilton, there's been some decent passing volume uh, in in the Indianapolis Colts offense. Like Maybe he and, uh, and uh, Philip Rivers start to get on the same page a little bit more. A.J. Green, there's been plenty of volume for. I mean, he had, what, like 13 targets last week? Plenty of air yards. I think he – does he actually lead the league in air yards? He at least led week two in air yards. But, my God, horrible results. As I mentioned earlier, the Bengals are mostly a short area over the middle passing game. They don't really have a vertical element to it yet. Are you – interested in either of these veterans you know kind of in on the wrong half of their career interesting stuff with these guys okay first ty hilton had an egregious drop last week um yeah maybe this is this clear decline but i I kind of ranked both still aggressively this week because the jets are this run funnel defense way tougher to run against um they might just blow them out though colts are 10 half point favorites but no paris campbell uh, Hilton has these huge splits um, at home. I like him still. I'm going to give him another week. AJ Green, maybe he's washed and he's just getting all these opportunities, yeah. but he can't. He cannot. Uh, 
you know, take advantage of them. Or he's rusty. Dude had not done a full practice until like a week before the season. This is first since 2018. And you're right. Air yards, not only does he lead the NFL, he leads by like 60 air yards. He's just <laughs> lapping the field. So um, I continue to rank both uh, uh, barely about uh, inside my top 20 this week. Uh, actually, I'm aggressive with Hilton, but um, it's possible they're both washed. And one more week from now, I'll be looking at you saying like, oh, man, they're done. So we'll see. But I'm going to give them one more week. Totally. Uh, I, I agree with you on Hilton green. I'm, I'm definitely a little nervous about it. if I, okay. if I have green on my fantasy team, I'm holding and hoping out for that optimism. But if I don't have him on my team, he's not a guy that I'm really like looking to buy low on. If that makes any sense, if that kind of shows you where, I, where I'm at with green Hilton, I agree though. He could, he could have a huge week this week. The jets lead the NFL and missed tackles uh, allowed. So yeah, we could definitely see some big plays there. All right, let's talk about, um, talk about, talk about some play calling here. Last week on the show, we talked about pass and run percentage on early downs uh, in neutral situations. And so that means first and second down when the game is still in question. This shows you, you know, what what the team is intending to do. Like what type of team do they want to be? Last week, we talked about how the Bills were up there. We talked about how the Seahawks were up there. And those look like offenses that you want to buy in on going forward. Now, let's flip the script here, Dalton. We're going to talk about teams that rank in the bottom five in passing rate on first and second down. Number 28, the Browns. Number 29, the New Orleans Saints. 30, Baltimore Ravens. 31, L.A. Chargers. 32, L.A. Rams. L.A. really repping here in terms of pass rate. Uh, So these are all teams that are running the ball on first and second down. Uh, They're trying to establish the run, whatever. I think we expect the Ravens to be there. We probably don't have to talk much about it, but the Browns are interesting because look, week one went about as bad as it could have possibly gone for the Browns week two, especially for the running backs went about as good as you could possibly expect. What do you think is the reality for this Browns team in terms of like the lowest and highest end of the spectrum that we've already witnessed? I think they're going to try this. What Stefanski wants to do their defense isn't bad and they're going to try to run the ball a lot and, uh, and kind of hide Mayfield. Uh, I don't know. I, I feel like this is the new normal. They are going to be in the, in the, in the top five run rate this year. I, it's, it's, or at least they want to be, I don't know if they're going to be good enough to maybe second halves. Uh, you know, when they get, they, they do have to face the Steelers and Ravens uh, three more times, but um, I, yeah, I get the feeling that Baker Mayfield's uh, not going to be a top 20 fantasy guy because of, in part because of his play calling. Yeah. And I think it's good for Mayfield to, to be on that script. Like when he was in that's sync sure. with the game and like got off to a hot start last week, like, I think that's what that guy needs. He needs to be off to a good start right away. He cannot fall behind because I think he start you know, just seemed like he was in his own head in week one, looked like a total draft bust in that week. And then week two, he looks like a pretty competent um, upgraded version of like a Kirk Cousins type of guy, which, you know, that's not the worst thing in the world. Uh, I'm, I'm talking about Kirk Cousins, like normally what we expect oh, from Kirk God. Cousins, not last week Kirk Cousins. <laughs> but the running backs are interesting too when we're talking about this because obviously they both crushed it last week. Um, right now in terms of routes run, Nick Chubb actually leads the backfield, 29 routes, 22 routes for Kareem Hunt. Kareem Hunt, it's sort of been like the inverse. He's actually been from a success rate standpoint and, uh, you know, a negative rush attempt standpoint. Kareem Hunt has zero negative runs. He hasn't been stuffed behind the line of scrimmage or at the line of scrimmage at all. Chubb has a couple of times. So are, what do you, but if you have these backs in fantasy, are you nervous at all? Or like, are you playing them every week and just living with the result? 
Warren Sharp hammers at home that I, uh, Mayfield has this massive split. I believe out of the 12 personnel, he's much better. Yes. And whatever, this coaching staff should get the be- better out of him uh, is, was the thought. And maybe that would, one that last week was a sign of better things to come. I, I've, because of, I think, the run heaviness, I continue to rank them both uh, as RB2 type backs. Nick Chubb is just so good, man, in real life. Well, actually, Kareem Hunt is too. They really are two real, real life players too. So I have them both as uh, just depending on the matchup this week. Washington is the number one ranked DVO defense through two weeks. Um, I have Chubb number 15 and Kareem Hunt number 22 still. So um, I think they're both going to be totally viable and they can make this work, especially obviously in PPR. It helps for, for Kareem Hunt. But man, I would love to see Nick Chubb become a workhorse at some point because yeah. he is just a fun so player good. to watch. Yeah, he's so good. Uh, we talked about the Saints. Uh, they're on this list because their quarterback is cooked. <laughs> good news for Alvin yeah. Kamara. That's clear, Nine right? Kick. There you yeah. go. There's evidence of what the coaches call. I mean, that's, there's evidence that the coaches are concerned about Breeze, I feel like. Totally. Let's talk about these two L.A. teams, though, real quick. Two kind of committee backfields. Um, the L.A. Chargers. Look, Josh Kelly's been pretty good through two weeks. Last week, we get the surprise Herbert uh, start. And frankly, I think the offense looked more like what at least us Dorcos on the outside, the fantasy nerds, this is what we'd sort of want, right? Both backs were involved. Both backs were involved in the passing game. Uh, Keenan Allen over 90 yards, Hunter Henry over 80 yards on six catches. Um, I like the, I think both of these two backs, Austin Eckler, I think is exactly what you drafted him as. And Josh Kelly, I think is going to be, you know, sort of flex worthy the rest of the way too. Yeah, what do we what do we make of the quarterback situation? There's a story. Everyone I, I read that Justin Herbert was going to be a flop, and boy, he didn't look like one to me. I, maybe I shouldn't have faded these uh, skill position players. One thing that jumped out, I just wanted to say that I'm going to backtrack my Mike Williams to you talk with the quarterback. So all bets are off with that. That was totally different, man. They weren't throwing it to him last week when I made my Mike Williams proclamation over Keenan because I think it looked to me like Herbert liked like Keenan more. Um, Austin Eckler looks fantastic. I know his advanced stats suggest he's just balling so far this year and josh kelly's going to be a thing so um that team's going to want to win with with defense and uh and it's ground attack and i yeah i think the coaching uh is going to be ground heavy regardless of who quarterback of the quarterback but um what do you predict of that situation moving forward i don't know man anthony lynn seems like he wants to roll tyrod back out there i i feel bad for justin like i I like anthony lynn seems like a good dude i think he's a little (laughs) too conservative sometimes but, I mean, I feel bad for Herbert. Like, you go out there against the Super Bowl champions. You play them down to the wire. You you make some mistakes, right? Like, that that long interception that he threw was just one of the dumbest things I've ever seen a quarterback do. But you found out you were going to be starting right after the freaking coin toss, man. Like, you're not prepared for this moment at all. Goes out and plays well. Like I said, takes the Chiefs down to the wire. And then after the game, Anthony Lynn's like, yeah, there were plenty of things we couldn't do from an offensive perspective because Justin Herbert was in there. He's a bad Backup for a reason. Tyrod will be our guy whenever he's 100%. Which, like, Lynn is sort of leaving himself some wiggle room there. Because, like, what if Tyrod's 99% for for week three? Are you really not going to start him? I have no idea what that whole situation is. But I feel kind of bad for Justin Herbert after that. Yeah, no, I don't. I'm very curious what happens if that was just coach speak. And I, uh, I don't know. It's yeah, it, I feel bad for him too. Hunter Henry second in air yards among tight ends too. So no, it doesn't matter who's quarterbacking for him. He's, he's looking like the real deal. On the flip side... I just want to ask you what you think it means that Drew Brees, I'm sorry, that Patrick Mahomes happens to rank bottom four in CPAE along with Haskins, Wentz, Drew Brees, Mahomes, and Sam Darnold. It's two games. Yeah. Uh, nothing. Uh, I don't really care. YPA, yeah. uh, eye yeah. test is absolutely nothing. It's yeah. nothing, right? No, He's the best no, player. No. Yeah. He's not hiding an injury or anything. 
I don't I don't think so. I mean, that throw that he made to Tyree Kill to to essentially like get them in position to win that game was, you know, god level stuff. Like I I think it's just you and, know, and stuff he's never known so for far. extreme accuracy. Uh, and Chargers Chargers defense is good, by the way. Like their yeah. their pass rush is good. Uh Joey Bosa's the only sorry, the only Bosa left in the NFL and is is oh. stepping his play up. Uh Mark Ingram looks good. Uh I mean Ingram, Mark not Mark Ingram. Uh Melvin. Melvin Ingram looks good on the other side. Uh, their cornerback core is good. Like they're they're a very good underrated defense that I think has given him some trouble in years past. So I'm not too worried about that. Okay. But it's funny that you brought up Wentz because Wentz is the guy I want to close this this out on. The Eagles right now are crazy pass heavy to start the year. They're 63 percent on early downs. The only team that has any any more than that from from an early down perspective is the New York Giants. Uh, so they're crazy pass heavy on early downs when the game's in question, but they have a horrible 7% success rate on those plays. And like Wentz might actually be terrible, or at least he's playing terrible to start the year. You mentioned the completion percentage over expectation stat. He's 25th on on target throw rate, 32nd in adjusted yards per attempt. What do we do about this Wentz situation? Cause from just a play calling perspective, this is perfect for fantasy, right? Like, they're throwing the ball a ton. They're throwing the ball in early downs. They're giving Miles Sanders the workhorse treatment. But Wentz isn't like he's just straight up not playing well. Doug Peterson, when he was asked about this after Sunday's game, like, why is Wentz regressing in his third year? He just basically said, I don't know, but it's a problem. Yeah, no, no kidding. Like, but do we just say, like, we know Wentz is a good quarterback. He'll start to get back on track at some point because the situation is great. But, but what do we do with this? Yeah, where do we begin? Went second to worst CPAE. Uh, it would his through two games. It'd be the la- It would have finished last uh, last season. Uh, it's minus eight and a half. Um, it's not good. Um, I jokingly or only half jokingly in my fantasy rap article said, you know, it's only a matter of time before the Jalen Hurts uh, era begins in Philly. Oh boy. And- in super flex leagues, honestly, I would be stashing him on your bench just because of the fantasy upsides out of control, the amount of rushing ability he has. So if you're in a deep league, that's I'm honestly not just tongue in cheek there. Um, Wentz will get better. Uh, the, we see, I mean, Deshaun Jackson wasn't playing full snaps. Rager was obviously not 100%. So they will get healthier and he will get better. But I don't know what to make of it. But he was not great accuracy last year either. Um, even if, whatever, YPA was like 6.6 last year. I know he doesn't have the greatest weapons, but... Yes, it's a concern to me. Uh, Miles Sanders was treated like a feature back, even with all that pass, uh, high pass rate. And I have him ranked as like my fourth back this week at home against the oh, Bengals. Yeah. So I really, I really like him. But yeah, man, you tell me. What are your thoughts on Wentz? Because I'm all ears here. I'm, I, I am, I'm, I'm, yeah, I'm skeptical of him. He's always been a guy, I think, that misses more layups than other great quarterbacks. Like, you don't see... Lamar or Mahomes, uh, even if it's in the stats so far this year, like you don't see the consistent misses that Wentz has, like from an accuracy perspective from the other great, like young quarterbacks in the NFL, like Russell Wilson doesn't make some of those mistakes. Um, I've always thought that like maybe Wentz could be a Ben Roethlisberger type player and Roethlisberger, it took years, years into his career before he became like a, an efficient high up-tempo, spread-it-out passer. Uh, Wentz does not seem to be giving us the indications that he's about to take that leap, even though the coaching staff is calling play. Again, even when the game is close, within four points, they're still passing the ball at a 63% rate, which I said is the second highest. Uh, if you throw, It's the highest if you throw out the Giants who only have one attempt on, the, on those plays. So 
I don't know, man. I, it's it's one of those situations where, like, from a fantasy perspective, if Wentz suddenly starts to even just become an average to above average quarterback, like, we're going to be flying here with these two tight ends, sure. with Jalen Rager, with Deshaun Jackson. Um, and obviously, it'll be all great for Miles Sanders. But I'm a little nervous after two weeks, that's for sure. Yeah, no, uh, it's it's not been a good start at all. But their offensive lines in a problem too, and you do trust the coaching staff there. But uh, yeah, man, it's uh, it's been it's been a rough go for Carson Wentz so far for sure. All right, well, our next segment is who got shelled, presented by our friends at Planters. Every Wednesday, Dalton and I are going to look back at a defense or defensive player who got absolutely shelled last week. Then we'll dive into the data and point out the defensive matchups you might want to take advantage of this Sunday. So. Dalton, my pick for who got shelled last week was the Miami Dolphins secondary and pass rush. (laughs) They spent a lot of resources on that secondary in the offseason. I know Byron Jones got hurt. Uh, He missed part of this game. But, man, you give up 417 yards to Josh Allen and the crew in Buffalo. And, like, Miami even kind of started to get over on that that Bills defense. Like, they were in position where they – the Bills defense let Miami back into the game, and their secondary and pass rush just completely let them down. Bad, absolutely. Um, You know what? I'm going to go with the Cowboys defense. It works for both last week and this upcoming one. Cowboys got absolutely shelled. I thought they were going to bounce back at home. They may have won the game, but just one sack against Matt Ryan, who's now on pace for the most passing yards in NFL history through two weeks. Um, I mean, that was against a hobbled Julio Jones and Todd Gurley. Uh, Dallas was my Super Bowl pick, and they would have been 0-2 if Atlanta knew how to, you know, the onside kick rules. Now they're going (laughs) to Seattle week three. Uh, The Seahawks have gotten the second most yards per play this season. So, yeah, you thought the Cowboys D looked bad last week. Wait till now they go on the road and travel and face the Seahawks in week three. They're definitely the team that's going to get shelled. Yeah, I think their defensive line has been one of the most disappointing units through two weeks. Uh, By the way, Russell Wilson, at some point, his touchdown rate, uh, is going to regress 14 and a half percent. But I don't think it's going to be this week against the Dallas Cowboys. My no. pick for who's going to get shelled here in week three is the Detroit Lions defense. ESPN puts a stat out called pass rush win rate using some of the next gen stats, player tracking data. Detroit ranks 32nd at 19%. The 31st ranked team is 30%. So there is quite a big uh, gap there. I think the Lions are going to get absolutely worked by Kyler Murray. Like Murray has been great. He leads the NFL in rushing yards among quarterbacks. I think this week is this is the week he starts to get cooking from a passing perspective in the box score. I think the Lions are just going to get cranked this week. No Lions just became the first team in NFL history to blow four straight double-digit leads. First team ever. Congratulations, Matt Patricia. Yeah, they might not. They might not have good coaching there, but you know it is really, really hard to say. So that was who got shelled. I hope we don't get shelled by making those picks. Like I picked Chris Godwin last week, right before it got announced that he was in the concussion protocol. Sorry about that one. But once again. We want to give a shout out to Planters for that segment. Stay satisfied with Planters. All right, Dalton, that's it. What do you got cooking this week, man? Got my uh, sit start lineup coming out. Uh, Column coming out later this week and talking uh, some against spread picks with Scott Pienowski on the pod tomorrow. We love it. I'll have uh, my metrics column out tomorrow where I'll kind of really rain out some of these ideas we talked about on this show. While you're waiting for those two 
work of arts to come out from Dalton and myself. You can listen to some of our other podcast offerings here at Yahoo Sports. Check out the Yahoo Sports NFL podcast with Charles Robinson and Therese Paler and the Yahoo Sports College podcast with Dan Wetzel, Pete Thamel, and our friend Pat Forty from SI. Follow us on Twitter at Yahoo Fantasy. I'm at Matt Harmon underscore BYB. That's at Dalton Del Don. One more thank you to the fine folks at Planters. Tomorrow, Dalton, as you mentioned, we'll be back to preview week two's betting line, week three's betting lines with Scott Pianowski. It's no secret that our world has been interrupted. A World Interrupted is a daily podcast telling stories of coronavirus and its impact on the economy. We want to cover the issues in the macro, global economics, the stock market, and our political climate. We'll also cover the micro stories, maybe the ones you don't hear as much about in the news or the media. We hope you'll listen and be a part of the journey. So subscribe today on Apple Podcasts or wherever you listen to podcasts. One, two, three, four. Those are numbers, but you already knew that. If you want to know what number you're going to pay each month for your car, use Kelly Blue Book My Wallet on AutoTrader. They're really good at numbers. AutoTrader.